Um, good evening, family. My name is Obageng, and I'm going to be doing the Bible reading from us from 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 13. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done these be removed among from you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as present, if, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who had done such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are really unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamp, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I write to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not all, not all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother in if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an adulterer, rivaler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what I do for what I have to do with judging so for what I have to do with judging outsiders. Is it not those inside the church whom we are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. Thank you again for the Bible reading, for the music team for leading us in song, um, Sean for praying for us, and those guys that are unseen, um, that make everything happen uh, and all the slides. Put your hands together for them, uh, for God using them to serve, serve us. Uh, just to encourage you that if you, if you have a finger, um, you are so gifted. Um, it is of great service to us, and we would love for you to come join that team uh, so that there's more people um, doing PowerPoint. Uh, if you want to learn more about sound, please uh, chat to them after service, um, and let's encourage one another to be serving uh, in the life of, of the church. Um, for those who are new to our church, uh, my name is David. I'm on staff here at uh, Christ Church Midland, and it's um, my privilege to be bringing God's word um, to us this evening. Uh, just to say that uh, for the last month, the month of 
um, August. We had a particular focus on the book of Ruth. Uh, so if you missed any of those sermons, uh, please can I encourage you to go online to uh, catch up on that, uh, on Ruth and um, how it teaches us about uh, redemption. So please go onto our website and uh, catch that. Um, last week we had a special guest among us. We didn't put up the the content because it belongs to Jews for Jesus, but they did an amazing uh, demonstration of, uh, of Ruth as well. So that was encouraging. If you missed that, you missed out. Uh, hopefully we'll get them again next year. Today and, and next week, God willing, we're looking uh, at the anatomy of sin. We're going back to this series that we engaged with about a month or so ago, uh, and so we're going back to it for two only two weeks uh, because we have a special um, guest on the 18th of September. Um, then after that, we are starting our outreach week, uh, which is a special focus on what are some of the exciting things about Jesus. So our preacher will be um, Black Newborn, uh, who's going to be telling us about his own life and what he finds exciting about the life of Jesus. So that's a, a bit of a picture of uh, where we are and where we are going. I'm going to pray that God uh, will help us, especially as we launch in uh, back into uh, this series, which is titled Anatomy of Sin. Before we pray, just a quick recap of why we're doing this series, um, Anatomy of Sin. Uh, anatomy simply means breaking things into small pieces so that you can study it. We're breaking sin into its small pieces. Uh, you might be thinking, how do you do that? Well, uh, the scriptures use different pictures um, to describe to us what sin is and how it works in our lives. And the reason we want to do that, the reason why we want to focus on sin, which is such a more negative thing, uh, it's a negative um, topic, uh, but the idea is not to be negative and to put you down, to remind you that you are a sinner. Um, the idea behind that is to remind you of the victory that you have in Jesus. Yes, you are a sinner, but Jesus has won for us the victory. And Jesus, across Scripture, challenges the Christian, either himself or through his apostles, to be aware of sin and how it works out in, the, in, in, um, in their life. Why? Uh, so that they can be on top of it, so that they can put up a fight against it. Um, if, if your life is anything like mine, you often need to be reminded of that, isn't it? That sin doesn't have ultimate say in your life, uh, that there's one who's powerful, who's conquered it. And hopefully tonight as we engage with this, you'd see the gospel and you'd walk out of those doors willing and empowered to to fight again. Maybe you're coming in and you're not a Christian. If you're not a, if you're just finding out this Christianity thing, you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm sure you'd agree that there's also been times in your life where you wondered, what in the world is wrong with me? Why can I not seem to perform or do things? that I want to do? Why does it seem like there's often things that uh, pull me back? Um, and for you, you need to remember and you need to come to the understanding that there's a power that works behind your behavior. And that power is sin. And that's why we want to study it. And that's why we want to point you to Jesus, because without him, 
there's no real transformation. Amen. I'm going to pray that he would help us as we look at that um, scripture in chapter 5 of uh, Corinthians, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Please keep um, your Bibles open to that. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the message of the cross. Uh, we thank you for Jesus who takes upon himself our sin and our brokenness. We thank you for Jesus who death and sin did not have a last say in his life. We thank you for this Jesus who brings us into his kingdom and who empowers us to live the Christian life. And I pray that if anybody misses anything this evening, that they would not think that they can go out there and fight sin on their own, uh, that they would bow in their knee to King Jesus once again this evening. I pray that you'd rekindle in us uh, the love and desire for the gospel, um, that he, Jesus, would be much more glorious than our sin will ever be. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. So for the last month, what we looked at uh, were three different um, aspects of sin. Uh, the first one was that sin has deep roots. Uh, so that's what we, we saw. Uh, the second one was that sin is uh, slavery. So very often the Bible would use the word slavery to depict to us the nature of uh, sin and how it works in enslaving us and in keeping us down. And then we saw sin as predator, sin as something that weighs on you, uh, just to pounce on you uh, and to isolate you from other people. Um, this evening we're looking at sin as leaven, sin as leaven. And uh, the question you should be asking, obviously, is what in the world is leaven? Um, and we're going to explain that uh, as we work our way through this passage that uses a, a quite an old picture that we see in the life of God's people, Israel, um, and also in the life of God's people, the Christians, who are finding themselves in Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a city just like Midrand. Um, there was just about everything there, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, Christians who came out of that culture became Christians, and some of the things that they were doing were quite um, unlike what it means to be a Christian. So if you have a Bible, you'd open to chapter 1, verses, <coughs> verses 1 and 2. And notice how Paul describes these Christians. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle, that is one who is sent by Jesus Christ and our brother Sosthenes, to the church, the church is the people of God, the gathering, the ecclesia of God that is in Corinth, in this city, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Sanctified means to be set apart from the rest. Uh, we are, they are sanctified in Jesus, this church, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So these are people that Paul describes as saints. I don't know if you grew up in any sort of um, church community. You'd know those saints. Maybe you saw them on pictures, on doors. Those guys looked holy. Um, those guys looked like they are 
cut above the rest of us. Uh, yet Paul uses this language of saints to describe normal Christ- Christians like you and me. Yet, as you read through Corinth, you are you would be shocked as to the kind of behavior um, that the saints um, the saints basically embrace. And so, in chapter five, Paul uses this picture of leaven. Um, to encourage these Christians and to call them out of a life of sin into a life of following, uh, following God. Um, now, leaven, simply put, is equivalent to yeast. Okay? So it's not so much yeast. Um, so back in the day, they didn't have pick and pay where they could buy sachets of yeast. So what would they do? Uh, they would ferment um, a little piece of dough and then keep it aside for such a time as uh, when they needed to need more bread. Um, so that is what leaven is. Leaven is a piece of dough that is busy fermenting, that is active, that is used to ferment a fresh batch of dough. So it is yeast that you put in, small amount, uh, that works itself uh, through dough, and sooner or later, um, it becomes, it ferments the whole thing. So that's what leaven is. Um, you'd remember during lockdown, uh, those videos of um, yeast. How many of you remember that? Uh, how many of you tried the sourdough recipe? Um, if, you, if you Google sourdough, there is a special way in which uh, you also start the process. Um, you started with a small batch of yeast, um, and then you put this leaven in jar, and then you keep feeding it water and more flour every single week. And then once you're ready to make sourdough bread, I never did it, uh, you take that, a bit of that, um, that dough to make, um, to make dough. Um, if you grew up in a Zwana home, you would have viewed, you know that thing called ting? How many of you love that thing? Thing is fermented pap. If you stay in an African, uh, not African, Toana home, I don't know about other cultures, they put a tiny bit of, um, of it in a bucket and then you ferment it over time. As Toana as I am, I don't like that thing. <laughs> um, and then you, basically when you need to create more of it, you use the same badge. Uh, you hoe it uh, more more uh, pop in it and some warm water and the thing keeps on fermenting. So that's a bit of a picture of what um, what leaven is. You guys are looking at me like you don't know what yeast is. You remember <coughs> lockdown, we even knew the difference between brewer yeast and uh, baker yeast. You guys didn't do that? Okay. Um, very often in scripture, this picture of leaven, turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. This picture very often has negative connotation, uh, but sometimes it has uh, positive connotation. So let's have a look at uh, how the Bible uses this concept of leaven. Uh, have a look at Luke chapter 13. We are going to come back to 1 Corinthians. Luke chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. This is Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God 
uh, in a positive way, he uses the picture of leaven. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like, like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Okay, so that's a, a picture of the growth of the kingdom of God. Here's this woman takes a small batch of dough, fermented dough, leaven, yeast, and he puts it in about 30 kgs of flour, and that small dough works its way in this batch, and this thing grows and grows and grows. And the picture that Jesus is presenting is that of the growth of the kingdom of God, that it looks small and insignificant, and in some ways it is hidden, but it grows. Um, it grows and it becomes big. So that's a positive way in which Jesus uses um, the idea and concept of leaven. But turn with me to Matthew chapter, 11, chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. This is predominantly the Bible, when it talks about leaven, it refers to negative things. Matthew chapter 16, verses 11 to 12. This is Jesus speaking about those religious guys called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, he says, how is it that you don't understand that what that I was not talking to you about bread? So he just used an analogy of leaven. The, the disciples don't understand what he's talking about. Uh, Be on your guard, he says to these disciples, against the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 12, then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisee and Sadducees. Uh, so the false teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus points at that and calls it uh, yeast. Uh, so it's, um, it, 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 it finds its way into a community, and then it impacts um, that, um, that community. Um, and other sections of Scripture, Jesus talks about hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees as yeast. Um, so that is another picture. Galatians uh, chapter 5, Paul speaking again about uh, teaching, false teaching that taught people that for you to become a Christian, for you to be part of God's community, uh, you needed to be circumcised and therefore obeying God's law. And Paul says that's, that's nonsense. Remember the gospel. And then he uses in chapter 5, verse 9, this idea and concept of leaven to describe false teaching. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lamp, or as the NIV puts it in simpler English, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Be careful of false teaching because it, it invades um, the community and it works its way through the whole community. Now, the most predominant idea and picture of leaven comes all the way uh, in the Exodus story. We did Exodus um, about a couple of months ago in the morning service. Um, go onto our website to, to check that out because Exodus is, as we said before when we were looking at slavery, is one of the most controlling images of God's dealings with humanity. 
Exodus depicts a story of enslaved people who move from slavery into freedom in God. It is a picture of the Christian life, that the Christian life moves from slavery to sin into freedom in Christ. Um, So throughout the Bible, the language and the pictures that we see are often echoes of the Exodus. In fact, our passage this evening, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, is an echo of Exodus. Um, So in Exodus, the story goes um, that God, on the night before he released his people from slavery to Egypt, told them to do two things. One was to make, to slaughter a lamb and then put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. You guys remember the story? So that is the one thing. And the angel of the Lord will come and pass over those houses that had the blood over their doors. We've been reading Hebrews. Hebrews reminds us that Christ is that Passover lamb who was who died on behalf of people. So that's the story in the Old Testament. We see the story unfolding in the New Testament. But the other thing that God's people were told to do was to make bread without leaven, bread without yeast. Um, the night on the night before they left Egypt, they were to make this bread and eat it in haste. The picture there was that if they were in a hurry to leave, but also it was a picture of a clean start. Um, this leaven was probably there for many centuries. For over 400 years of them being in Egypt, they would have probably used the same yeast, uh, fermented it, used the same batch over and over again. Their grandfather would have used it, and then their father, and then they themselves would have used that same batch. It would have been the same, I, I think it's bacteria, um, that, that was there, uh, carried out. Uh, through that leaven. But God was giving them a picture that something new is about to happen. They are about to move from slavery to freedom. And so the picture of them eating bread without leaven was a picture of a clean start. That is what we read this story in, in Exodus. And so for many generations as the Israelites remembered their freedom, as they remembered their rescue from Egypt to the Promised Land, they would have celebrated the Passover feast. They would have celebrated also the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where they would once again make bread without yeast. If you go to pick and pay during Passover, you'll see those um, matzos sold uh, at pick and pay. Uh, that to this day, Jewish people still celebrate by eating bread that is without leaven. A picture of freedom from slavery, a picture of something new that has happened. And so Paul uses this imagery in our passage this evening to teach us something profound concerning the nature of sin and concerning how we should deal with it in Christian community. Let's come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 
chapter 5. I'm going to read from verses 6 and uh, uh, 6 to 8, and then we'll come back and work our way to unpack what Paul is on about um, as he teaches us about the nature of sin. Chapter 5, verse 6 uh, to 8. Your boasting is not good. Notice that language. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Verse 7. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. What are you talking about, Paul? Um, We'll break it down. Uh, to unpack what Paul is saying. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of, of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What Paul is saying there, we're going to unpack it. He's saying two things about sin and the Christian community. Number one, he says that sin is like leaven, it has power to affect and corrupt a whole community. Sin has the power to work itself through the whole community and affect it negatively. The second thing that he's saying, that he's going to be saying in our passage, is that a true gospel community is aware of this and has the power to stop it from happening. A true gospel community has the power to stop a sin working its way out as leaven throughout um, our church communities. Have a look at chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1, as we get the context of the story that Paul is saying. So our first point being, sin like leaven has power to affect the whole community. So that's what we're going to see. Have a look at... Chapter one, verse, verse, chapter five, rather, verse one and two. This is the saint in Jesus. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Verse two. And you are arrogant, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. This is um, a story of Christians gone wild. A um, couple of years ago, I, I was listening to this pastor who's now also gone wild. Um, and he had this uh, series in Corinthians uh, it was called Christians Gone Wild. And I think it is the best definition of what the Corinthian church was like. It was Christians Gone Wild. And in our passage this um, today, Paul deals with different uh, things across Corinth, Corinth, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. But in our passage this evening, he deals with a specific issue of immorality, um, of a man uh, having his his wife, and he not only deals with that, but he deals with how it affected the community, and he deals with how the community responded to the sin. Uh, Christians gone wild. Have a look at verses um, verses 2. 
So this is what happens. It's reported. It's clearly known uh, that this man um, is having an affair with his stepmother. Verse 2, and you, that is the church, are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Um, instead of uh, looking at this act in a shameful way, instead of um, shunning it, instead of speaking up against it, uh, the Christian church in Corinth laughed about it. They joked about it. They were arrogant about it um, and basically embraced, um, embraced this act uh, as part of their community. I can almost imagine them hanging out at Manaka Coffee, sipping on some uh, nice latte and saying, Jacques, have you, have you heard about the deacon from the other church? Did you hear? We must pray for him because I hear oh, things are quite spicy there. Uh, and they're laughing about it. Uh, and then this other uh, two Christians go to meet um, at uh, Dopio Zero for a one-to-one. Uh, and at, instead of reading the scriptures and encouraging each other to watch Jesus, they're talking about this thing as if it's um, the greatest gossip ever. Uh, instead of looking down on this, instead of um, speaking out against it, uh, this Christian community accepted this behavior as part of their, uh, their community. Um, now, one commentator, speaking of the church in Corinth, he says that each of the community problems that Paul had to deal with uh, in 1 Corinthians came out of their inability to grasp the gospel message, to understand the gospel message, whether because they misunderstood the message or because they rejected it outright. Uh, so every now and again, Paul reminds them of the gospel and calls them to a certain kind of behavior. Every now and again, he calls them um, to live differently to the culture around them. But what is worse is that this act, according to chapter 5, verse 1, is one that even in the culture is not accepted. So these Christians had gone wild. They had even superseded the Corinthian culture in being immoral. But what Paul is crying about is how this um, community deals with this particular sin. They puffed up instead of um, rejecting this, instead of calling this individual um, to account for what he did. And basically what we're going to see from the way Paul deals with this, um, this particular issue is that you as a Christian, you are who you are because of your community. And in the same way, your community is what it is because of you. So let me say that again. You are who you are because of your Christian community. And in the same way, your Christian community is what it is because of you. So it matters how each and every one of us behaves. It matters what kind of a thing we allow into the Christian community because, as we're going to see, a little leaven, a little sin that we accept comes in and affects the whole. And then sooner or later, we accept this as a way of life. Now, 
A um, couple of years ago, I think about 15 years ago, um, I came to to join a Christian community on on campus. And what what we came to realize uh, after years and years is that there, there was a group of guys every now and again uh, when we go to a Christian camp, they would just sneak out, and then we would not see them for for quite some time. And then they would come back. But because we were, I guess, naive at the stage, they would come back sloshed at a Christian camp. What we came to realize is that their leader um, was leading them in this. Um, Their leader was a very theologically astute guy. Uh, But every now and again, you take these young guys and obviously they would say, well, it's alcohol. Uh, we are free in Jesus um, to drink. Amen. Um, amen. You are free in Jesus. Some of us are not. Some of us grew up in Pentecostal churches that said to us that alcohol is a sin. So every, like even to this day, when we drink, it's, uh, when we try to, it's like there's that voice of Pastor Motejo saying, <laughs> you are in sin. Um, but he used that freedom as a license to he himself sin. And that sin affected the disciples who came in, such that that group became known for, for drinking. But as if that's um, not bad enough, um, they would in turn uh, approach girls and talk to girls in very demeaning way. And this became part of that group. And it's only years later when I realized that leader basically led those guys to become who they are. His sin wasn't just his sin. His weakness towards alcohol wasn't just his weakness. Um, because those who are above him knew that he had a weakness. But nobody ever confronted him. They unleashed him onto students, and then his sin affected the whole. Such is the nature of sin. It works its way out in Christian community. But Paul wants these Christians to know that they can cut this effect of leaven out of their Christian community. The true gospel community has power to cut out sin before it ferments and affects the whole. And not only do they have the power, but they should do that. Um, True gospel community should cut out sin before it ferments um, and works its way out in the life of the whole church. Have a look at uh, verses 3 to 5. This is Paul speaking in absence, and he talks about how he would deal with the situation if he was there. For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit. And as if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Verse 4, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Uh, Paul says 
that they ought to cut out this man and have a conversation with him and shun him out of the community. Now you might be thinking, how does that help the guy? Um, it's meant to put him out so that he may realize that what he did was wrong and be restored into the community. Christian discipline uh, and Christian way of dealing with sin is with restoration at the heart of it. It is with bringing this guy, notice what he says, um, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord, so that he may be restored into Christian community. It is not just that idea of, uh, you know, those um, back home, the churches uh, some of us grew up in, um, the traditional church, if you had to do anything wrong, and you, um, you wore uniform, what do they do? Dudu is laughing because he's uh, experienced uh, such firsthand. What do they do if you are a uniform-wearing member of the church? Well, they cut you out. But very often, um, which is in of itself supposed to be restorative, uh, very often it brings about shame, and no restoration. That is not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about taking drastic measures against uh, sin so that it doesn't work itself out like leaven to corrupt the whole community. Sin is like leaven. It corrupts. It has the power to affect the whole community. But the Christian community has the power to cleanse it out. Have a look at verse 7 to 8. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lamp. So he's talking about this man being cast out of the community as you really are unleavened. And so this thing, you guys are truly saying, so cut out that thing so that it doesn't affect you um, so that you are corrupted by it. And notice that Paul gives a gospel motivation for why they should deal with sin. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Now that picture from the Old Testament. God has done something big for this community, freeing them from slavery to sin and bringing them into a Christian community. God has done something for the Corinthian church in freeing them from slavery to sin and bringing them into this community. Christ has been sacrificed for you and for me. And that ought to give us reason to want to fight against sin. We don't fight against sin so that we can be acceptable to God, but because we are acceptable to God, because Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed, verse 8, let us therefore celebrate the festival. He's not talking about literally celebrating the festival, but he's talking about us remembering what God has done, not with the old leaven, uh, not with that old lifestyle of sin, not with that old lifestyle of living in slavery, because that is not who we are anymore. We have been freed from that slavery, um, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. God, through Paul, is calling Christians uh, to cut out sin from the Christian community, and he gives them a gospel motivation uh, for them to do so. Have a look at 
verse 9, as he continues to show them the power that they have um, to be able to do that. The power that we have as Christians to put out sin before it affects us and becomes a norm. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. That sounds deep, right? (laughs) Paul would be cancelled if he lived in 2022. Verse 10, not at all, listen to what he is not saying, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Okay, so Paul is not talking about us embracing people um, who have different ethics to us. Um, Paul is also not talking about people who are genuinely struggling against sin. The Christian community is a place that is safe for you um, to struggle and to be encouraged to transformation. I think what is happening in chapter 5 is that there was not even an acknowledgement that this is a struggle. It became part of who we are. It became part of, like my university uh, ministry back then. By the way, it was not all corrupt, right? <laughs> um, it was a batch of people uh, who were corrupt and corrupting the whole society. Paul is talking about those kind of Christians who claim to be Christians, speak the right things, but when it comes to their core beliefs, on what God calls us to, um, they not only lived a contrary way, but they embrace it with pride. They embrace it with a sense of excitement. Paul is saying we are not to associate with those people. Verses 11, but now I'm writing to you not to associate to anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexually, sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even not to eat with such a one. Verse 12, have you ever heard that um, thing that Christians say? What is the famous thing that non-Christians and Christians say? Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Who are you to judge me? It just seems quite contrary to what Paul is saying in verse 12. Because that's become uh, something that we, it goes without saying in our culture. Verse 12 seems to contradict that. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those who are outside. Purge the evil person among you. And again, this is a language from the Old Testament of preserving Israelite community, of not letting sin affect the community, that they ought to purge the person from among you. And the kind of judgment that he is talking about is not judgment to condemn. Um, it is judgment um, to call out sin, and that's what we ought to do for each other. That's what I sometimes fail to do. That is what we sometimes do in this church, to call out sin, to bring a brother and say to them, listen, you've done one, two, three. We think you need to step down. Now, very often there's a positive 
celebration of that as a gospel thing. But sometimes there are those who look at that and say, isn't that harsh? Surely we should apply grace. Amen, we should apply grace. But we should also apply discipline. Uh, We should also call out sin and speak to the brother, not so as to condemn them, but to once again remind them of the seriousness of sin and how it affects other people so that they can be brought back and still be restored and still fellowship uh, with the rest um, of, um, of God's, God's people. Um, you are a product of this community, so it matters how this community behaves. It matters how the next person behaves. If you saw me with a girl at, um, what is it, coffee, <laughs> you ought to walk up to me and say, what in the world are you doing? Amen. If I saw you with somebody other than the one that you introduced to us, I should call you out and say, what are you doing? What is that kind of behavior? Don't you know that what you're doing affects us? Don't you know that sin is like leaven? It comes and works itself out in community. You ought to cut that out. That sounds judgmental, isn't it? But that's the most loving thing we can do as a community. Amen. And that is the most hardest thing to do in a culture like ours that privatizes life, right? What I do doesn't matter to you. It's just me and Jesus. (laughs) But that is not the Christian community. It is not just you and Jesus. It is you, Jesus, and this community. And you are a product of the behavior of this community And likewise, this community will be affected by your behavior. So it matters how seriously we take sin. But also on the positive side, we ought to be people who are so concerned about the other person. Amen. So concerned that we have difficult conversation, uh, difficult conversations around our behavior. Difficult conversations that our world normally doesn't want to venture into, right? On a Sunday, we can talk about Manchester United and how they're winning. Are they winning? They won, won, okay? Um, So many fans are happy. Um, If you want to talk to me, don't talk sports because I (laughs) have no idea. Um, We'll talk about other things uh, like food. Um, Yeah, I love food. Um, so we can talk about that, né? but those are bouncing paths. Those are conversation starters to have deeper conversation. Conversations like who keeps you accountable? Are you struggling with anything right now in your life? Not because we witch hunting, right? But because we want to help each other out um, towards glory, towards a community that is unleavened as we truly are, as Paul says. Now let me end it off with this um, thing that I had um, a couple of years back. Somebody once said that I used to go to gym five years ago, right? Uh, the, it, it was a gym conversation. 
Um, I am back at gym because I want to look like Martin. I want to have a body as hot as Martin's. Um, so that's why I'm back at gym right now. Um, but back in the day when I was gymming, um, somebody said that you can only bench. So the only way for you to bench higher is if you bench press with those who bench higher than you. Okay? So the only way for you to uh, improve on your bench pressing, I don't know why guys find that as the most important uh, exercise at gym. Apparently it isn't. Um, if you want to bench press more, uh, you have to bench press with guys who bench higher than you. That's what somebody said. Um, somebody also said, that, show me your friends um, and I'll tell you. I'll show you who you are. If that is true, then if you look around your community, what kind of people are you benching with? Are you even benching with anybody else? Are you doing the Christian life alone? Or are there people motivating you to bench higher, to push harder, to follow Jesus better? Is, are you part of that community? Are you a kind of friend who, if people said, that's my friend, other people will be like, shucks, I think you're in good hands. I think you will grow from that relationship. Are you part of relationships in, way in which you are growing? Like as in you're growing, you're responsible for growing others and you know that the other person is responsible for growing you. May God help us to step into, through his gospel, into those kind of relationships. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for Christ, our Passover lamb, who was crucified, so that we, <laughs> we can, in our sinful nature, also be crucified with him, so that the shame of our sin may be crucified with him, so that the power of sin that works itself in our lives, that very often defeats us, uh, that that would be crucified with him. Uh, we thank you that he rose again to life. Uh, we thank you that because he is crucified, because he took upon himself the shame of our sin, we don't need to be ashamed. Um, that we thank you that he gives us the power to step into relationships and to be honest with our brokenness. Uh, not because of anything, but because of a desire uh, to be people who put a fight against sin. Uh, because of a desire to be part of a community where sin is not the thing that marks us. We thank you, Lord, for the many graces you've given us, especially in a church like this. Uh, we thank you that very often we see great examples of discipline, um, we pray, Father, that in those moments uh, we would not, um, that nobody would ever look at this community and think, what a bunch of hypocrites, but that they would know that Christ, the Passover lamb, has been crucified and that equally we stand broken before the foot of the cross. We thank you for your life-giving spirit that empowers us going into this week to live the Christian lives wherever we are. I pray that you'd enable us to live and to witness for you, to put up a fight against sin, 
so that it won't affect this whole community. So do aid us, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.